Good morning. Our scripture this morning is taken from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good to be back. Uh, for those of you who don't know, you know, I was away for vacation for a few weeks, and then when I com came back, I, hit, I got hit with a pretty bad bout of COVID. And for the most part, I am back on regular energy levels, but I do still have a little bit of cough, so apologies if that comes out. And I still, I've almost got my taste and smell back, so I can begin to enjoying food again. Uh, well, this morning, as uh, Jess mentioned earlier, we are concluding our Soothing Psalms for the Soul message series that's taken us through the summer, where we've been looking and hearing about stories uh, and scriptures of how God has met many of us through uh, the Psalms. And so uh, we're really glad to be looking at Psalm 139 today. And for many, Psalm 139 has become uh, is such a dear psalm. And today we're going to hear from Rebecca Hunt and, and how this psalm has spoken to her through different seasons of her life. And uh, if, for those of you who don't know Rebecca, she has been part of the WCF community for, since 2005. She's, uh, during this time here, she's gotten married and started a family, and so we're really glad to have uh, Ryan and Audrey as part of our, uh, our community here. And Rebecca has served as a, as a leader in many different roles and currently serves as our worship deacon. And for Julie and myself, we've had the privilege of being their closest geographical neighbors. They live two blocks away from us, and so we get to share lots of uh, neighborly things together, as well as uh, sharing our lives together in our small group that meets regularly. So uh, let's give a warm WCF welcome to Rebecca as she comes forward, and we have a conversation together. Thanks, Rebecca. Well, um, I was just really uh, spoken, uh, as we were chatting about this particular psalm, uh, it was just, uh, it struck me about how the different ways that this psalm met you. So could you maybe share with us kind of the circumstances around your life uh, where this psalm has spoken to you? 
Sure, thank you, Andrew. Like many, um, over the years, I've come to the book of Psalms frequently in different seasons of my life. I've turned to it in times of joy and strength and triumph when I wanted to praise God with really strong and powerful words. I've also turned to it when I've felt wronged and wanted to read words about how God does justice. And like others, I've read and prayed the Psalms over the years in those seasons when I've just been in really challenging situations and didn't know what else to do, or at times when I was desperate to be in God's presence, but I didn't even know the words to say. And Psalm 139 is, is definitely that kind of psalm for me. I've come to it many times over the course of the years to be reminded of a God who knows me better than I know myself, and a God who hems me and walks with me. And even though I've lived through these words in different seasons, I'm struck by the fact that the words are the same and God is the same. But depending upon the season of my life, I've had a very different interaction with these Psalms and with the text here. In young adulthood, I was a planner. I was looking to set things on the right path and find God's will for my life. And so whether in college or newly graduated and adulting, I really came to the psalm and wanted encouragement and to have God discern with me that going out and lying down. And naturally, um, you know, I thought when I made those decisions, whether it was my major in college, which when you're in college seems like <laughs> the only decision you ever have to make and it's huge, or later on you realize, okay, what am I going to do with this? What will my job path be to the extent you know it then? Um, or later where to move and moving to DC here and then in, in my relationships as well. I've just, I've looked for God's word here to, to guide me and to walk with me. Um, but I've also learned in time and, and with maturity that, you know, these decisions are just the first of many and the situations of many in our life. And even when I thought early in my life that I was charting a course in one direction, that life's experiences can take us many different places. And so I sat with this psalm a lot, really marinating and reading it deeply in the summer of um, 2014, and have returned to it many days and many nights since. That was the time when I was pregnant with my first child. And halfway through that pregnancy, we learned that our daughter had a serious heart arrhythmia. And at that moment, we were quite overwhelmed. I was very anxious, completely surprised, and I knew that I should pray, but I had no ability to form any kind of coherent words about it. And so I took to memorizing this psalm, and I wrote it down a lot at the beginning, and then I read it a lot. And then I repeated it, and I often found that it kind of became my own personal liturgy where I would say the words over and over and over again when I needed to be in God's presence and was so overwhelmed and so upset and so anxious but just didn't know what else to do. And slowly in time, I was hoping that the words of Psalm 139 would sink from my brain 
crossed my heart and subtle in my soul. Thanks, Rebecca, for sharing such deeply personal things uh, that have gone through your, that you've encountered in your life. Like you mentioned how, you know, God met you in, in this young adult discernment, career, school, but also this deeply personal and traumatic uh, experience that your family went through. And you, you mentioned how sometimes your the words are on the page, have to get to your brain and ultimately to your heart. Mm -hmm. Were there any scriptures, can you share with us, that in the psalm that kind of God highlighted or, or kind of energy helped, helped draw your attention to that, that were meaningful to you during that time? Yeah. I mean, this song, this psalm has sort of several different sections of five or six verses. And at the beginning, Psalm 139, um, one through six is really, you know, search me and try me, a God who knows me. It's this God who perceives our thoughts even before a word is on my tongue, which was so much a reflection of my state where I had so much in my brain and nothing that came out on my tongue. Um, and also this God who hems us in behind and before and lays his hand on us and holds us fast. Those words I really clung to and sat with them a lot um, in hearing of our daughter's health challenges. We were anxiously awaiting what would happen next and watching and really uncertain of what the outcome would be, but really believing that it was something that could be monitored and that she would probably have a surgery upon birth um, to put a pacemaker in and then that would fix it. So that was kind of our sense, um, but it was still a time of great anxiety. And we had, I think we were in shock about it and I had so many different conflicting thoughts about both the present but also the anxiety for the future that again, I just, often woke in the wee hours of the morning, deeply upset, at times sobbing, and I would pray over and over and over again by using the words of this psalm. And it was a way to turn all of these mixed up and complicated and even conflicting thoughts and fears and maybe hopes all together in a conversation with God. And I also return to these words here a lot about six to eight months to a year later as I was pregnant with Audrey. Um, because again, I was at that time really at a loss for words. I was entirely fearful and stressed that entire pregnancy with her, waiting for something to go wrong like it had happened before and waiting for, um, you know, for the same challenges to show up with her. And, monitoring actively daily her heart rate at home and lots of times in a doctor's office. And so really there was so much, there was a different awareness, but also deep fear at repeating the trauma and tragedy of before in that pregnancy. And I continued to use these same words, but with a completely different moment there. Sounds like, a lot of times when you, you've said it already, that the Psalms give us the words to say when we, we can't even say it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the Psalms help us pray these prayers so that, the, so that the truth of them becomes real to us, right? Yeah. Were there any other verses that have you know, 
spoken to you in different seasons as well? Yeah, I think the next section of this psalm was also deep feet, deeply powerful and impactful for us. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the highest heavens or the depths of the earth, these low, deep places, even there God is with us. If I rise on the wings of dawn or settle on the far side of the sea, you know, your hand will hold me fast. I, these also were really speaking to my heart and my soul. And, you know, eight years ago next week um, is the time in that first pregnancy when our daughter's heart didn't just slow down, but overnight it stopped completely. And then she was stillborn. And it was utterly incomprehensible to me at the time. Um, it was a complete shock, even though we knew she was very sick and fragile. And so there was this overwhelming grief and despair at how broken she was and how broken we were and I was as a result. And I was so angry at God, at myself and my body. I was also really angry at the rest of the world and people who just naively had no sort of similar experience. Because I realized, like, for me, that was very much a before and after point, and I would never be the same after. And um, I, I wanted to run. And so the words here spoke to me about, you know, where can I flee, but God is still there? And where can I go? And if I'm hiding, God is still there. And I, 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 at the time, I needed to run away from where we were at. And actually, Ryan and I did shortly thereafter. We escaped because we just needed to be in a different place entirely, a different frame of mind. I needed to escape conversations from people who loved me and cared deeply, but I was not in a place to be able to engage with them at all, just overwhelmed with grief. And I needed to escape the looks of my neighbors and colleagues because I was still very much in a pregnant-looking body. And in our society, there are a lot of comments and encouragements and supports that come um, by total strangers. and. <laughs> That was very difficult for me in that time of loss. Um, and I, I just, I needed to hide too. But even in this hiding, and even in this looking for the deepest places and wanting darkness and wanting to be unseen, God was still there. And he was okay with all of those complex, mixed up, broken, angry, sad feelings that I felt. So again, I had lots of daily prayers, frequently in the wee hours of the morning when it was dark and I was lying awake in bed and just overwhelmed and upset and, you know, beside myself. And yet, these words reminded me that I was not alone, and because I had memorized them and was saying them so frequently, it just rolled through in that liturgical way and, and ministered to me, even in the deep, deep pain. And I also love in this section of the scripture um, that we can't escape 
God's spirit being with us, even when we are desperately trying to hide and run, that we don't escape it. And there's this imagery that I see in how the psalmist describes um, God's created world and not being able to escape God holding us close. In my mind, going up to the mountains in the highest heavens was like ascending a mountaintop and looking over this vast expanse of creation. Or, you know, the polar opposite of that is descending to the depths, and yet God is there, and the rising of the wings of dawn is like the sun rising in the east and the setting of the sun in the west, in that, you know, these high and low and east and west places as far as we can imagine in God's world, he still pursues us with his unbounded love and grace. So you've talked about how the psalm has ministered to you in decisions that you feel like you know as much as you know, and, and, and it's big and also really, really deeply you know, traumatic and, and lonely uh, times of your life. Um, what, what did you kind of learn about God? And how did God meet you and, 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 uh, yeah, and about your faith in, mm-hmm. in how you saw God and the character of God? Uh, through this all. Thanks, Andrew. I will say that grief and despair, whether it's from a pregnancy loss or a death of your family or friends or a new diagnosis, it can be very lonely. And I think in these awkward places, um, a lot of people don't know what to do with us when we are legitimately and understandably distraught. Sorry, let me, let me interrupt you there. I forgot, there's a, maybe there's another section. That, that, is there another section that's spoken to you just with kind of the health challenges that you faced? Sure. I want to give you a chance. Sure, to, we can sure. pause on that other yeah. thought about yeah. God. But there, there is another section of the psalm um, that, frankly, I do struggle with. And that's the verses in 13 to 18, where it says, You've met me together in my mother's womb. Um, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you, and I was woven together, and all the days ordained for me were in my book before one of them, or were in your book before one of them came to be. This part of the song, I still wrestle with quite a lot, actually, and I know a lot of people approach these words um, in their life with tenderness and joy and expectation and hope, but my lived experience has a lot of challenges with these, these words because... Um, You know, as a person who has has lost a child, this seems discordant. And as a person living with a chronic illness, it also feels discordant to me. Um, God and I are still working on this, and I struggle with embracing these words with our first child because, you know, of course, her tiny body was so broken and fragile, and none of her days came to be in the way that we hoped. And so it's really hard to read these words. And it's also hard to read and believe that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made myself when um, my body has let me down. And, and I, I can recognize this as a theological truth and um, of, you know, God creating all of us good, but my human flesh gets a little bit stuck there. Um, I have an autoimmune illness, which by definition, means that your body actively attacks healthy cells. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, when my body attacks the healthy cells within me like an intruder, it causes dysfunction, it causes pain, and it causes other damage. And it's hard for me to say that I'm wonderfully made when I also know that this active fight is going on within my actual body. And, you know, over the course of the years, whether through injury or illness, my body has not behaved in the way that I expected it to or wanted it to. And at times has really fundamentally let me down. And even now, as I still walk this, with this disease um, and in kind of in a bit of a flare, I, I feel like I still am waging war within my body um, with daily physical pain. Mm, wow, wow. That's hard. And, and, but thank you for sharing so honestly about how these words are still moving from the page to, mm -hmm. your, head, to your heart, which they, is the experience for They a definitely are. And, and I would say, you know, to that earlier question you said about how God has met us, um, you know, I think God is big enough and powerful enough and knows us well enough that we don't have to have it all worked out to come to him. And we can both say, God, I'm entrusting in you, but I really have an issue with this thing here and like, you know, be talking and working with him about that. And, um, you know, I've, I've learned that whatever place I'm at emotionally or physically, that God is there with us. And like I said, he's not afraid of our mess. He's not afraid of our pain. Right. Um, he can handle it and he can handle even the unknown resolution of it for what we see. And he sits with us and not only sits with us in this in-between space, but he also actively seeks us out when we're there. Because sometimes when we're in those places, we have no energy to do anything. Yeah. And so we really need to be sought out. And, and I think, as I mentioned before, this is quite rare in our current society where everyone has their Facebook life and Instagram life of everything perfect and knit together and, and just, you know, functioning fine. And um, this veneer of perfection for so many of us is not our reality. When I was in the middle, um, you know, of, of walking through this grief and still find it very meaningful, I came across a book by Nicholas Walterstoff, who's a philosopher and a theologian, and also a former Calvin College um, student and professor. But he also has a deep personal knowledge of tragedy and grief. And he writes a book, Lament for a Son, um, which is a series of deeply honest vignettes in the face of loss, describing his emotional journey dealing with the tragic loss of his son in a hiking accident. And I really appreciated at the time the way he framed, you know, all of his emotions from a Christian perspective and not as somebody who has lost hope, but he still very much is feeling the grief and the pain and the tragedy of loss and actively recoils at kind of the modern piety that would seek to sweep under the rug all those feelings. And he... Um, I found his approach very refreshing because I also couldn't then and still in a lot of ways now 
can't completely explain it away and sweep my pain under the rug. Even though I know God is here, I still, I still sit and wrestle with that. And there's a chapter in his book where he says, you can't comfort me from a distance. To do so, you have to come close. Please come sit with me, come sit beside me on my grief bench. And I've realized that that's exactly what God does, is he saddles up next to us in our pain, in our despair, in our fear about the future, and he just sits there and isn't afraid of those big feelings that we have. I mean, thank, thank you so much um, for sharing. Yeah, just so honestly, like as we're hearing these moments of big questions, big uh, griefs, uh, what, what do you hope people can hear or what do you encourage people to take away from this song? Yeah, I, um, I mean, obviously for me, God being with us is, is huge. Um, whether we are at that mountaintop or hiding and running in the deepest, darkest places that we can find. Um, you know, God understands and knows pain. It's phenomenal to me that, you know, our God not only wants to be with us, but that he sought out this human understanding through Jesus and sending someone in the flesh to walk among us. Um, and I also, I can say that, you know, with, with having these real emotions, like it didn't have to suddenly be all okay or ever. And yet I could still be um, in God's presence. And, you know, so many of you in this community really ministered to Ryan and me uh, eight years ago when we were in the throes of all of this and, and even since. Um, WCF really does this well, I would say, in being able to enter these luminal spaces of deep grief and anguish and brokenness and to not run away from them and to not try and fix them and to not um, be afraid of loving people in their most vulnerable and messy times. Um, and so, I, you know, I know that even when my life and your life isn't neat and tidy, that, and maybe even because of it, that God meets us there, and so many in our community come to meet us there, and that there's still a hope and a promise amidst these big and tough and complicated issues and ways for God to enter in that space and for beauty to emerge from the ashes. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you for your time, and uh, thank you for listening well. Uh, can, I, can I just pray for you? Sure. God, we thank you for the beauty of these words, faithful, and your, the beauty of your character. And we just ask you continue to meet Rebecca in the midst of these challenging questions and meet all of us in the questions and the unknowns uh, of our lives. We thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness and your deep knowledge and care. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's give her a warm uh, gratitude. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. I just have a few, you know, kind of thoughts as I was thinking about it. Like what Rebecca highlighted for us is that, you know, God meets us in the questions and the griefs 
and the difficult things. And we don't have to have all together when we come to God. Uh, and, and I think the one phrase that speaks to me through this psalm is that we are known beyond our knowing. We are known by God beyond our knowing. As you walk through this psalm, actually, if you look at the, that, that's the key word, is, is know. You have searched me and you know me. You know when I rise. And it shows up in one, in three. Oh, oh sorry. Is it? All right, back to the other, other screen. I think one, three, uh, one, two, four, six, 23. And then we see in the first section, one to six, how God knows each one of us personally. In verse 7 to 12, how God knows, there's, God knows us everywhere. There's no place that we can go, as, as Rebecca shared. Even when we want to run away from people, God is still there. God cares us, for us so, so deeply. And there's a third part, that third section, where God knows us at all times. From the moment that we were formed in our mother's womb, in those dark places that we try to run to, there's nowhere that we can run from God. And there's no time there's no, there's no uh, limit to, to where God knows. And finally, in that last section, that God knows us incomparably. I mean, historically, they would say that God, God's knowledge is holy. It's totally set apart. It's other than anything that we could ever know for ourselves. And I think this, for me, brings me great comfort in the moments when it's hard, in the moments when we, we think the decisions and the things that we have, in our, the, the knowledge that we have, is, is so important and the next step is going to make or break the rest of my life and determine how far I go in life, right? All those decisions that, based on the knowledge that we have at the time, we say that God knows even more. God knows us even more. God cares for us even more. And in those losses, in those painful losses, God knows even more what's on the other side of them. And so we can trust God. And, that, and I, I, what spoke to me in this particular psalm is that it's framed, it's sandwiched by the two pieces of bread. Verses 1 and verse 23. It begins with, you have searched me and known me, O Lord. And then ends with 23. It's like, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way or wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Quick comment about this final section. When God, when we say, read this and says, search if there's, and know my thoughts, you know, uh, there, as I looked at this word, a better, uh, a fuller translation is that know my misgivings, those things that I find hard to trust you with, God. And that word, see if there's any offensive or wicked way. I think we like to think ourselves as pretty good people and, and, and like, we don't really have that much wickedness in us. But when we look at the word, the Hebrew word for is, is otsev, and it, and it means um, wickedness, falsehood, or false gods, those things that we put our trust in that are really not God. And so what that says to me is that when we invite, there's this invitation for us to allow God's knowledge to penetrate our limited knowledge and to reveal how that limited knowledge has led us to put our trust in things that maybe aren't meant to be, carry the weight of our trust. And so that because of that, God, this reminds us that God is so good. God is so caring. God knows all. There's nothing in our life that God does not know. There's a lot of stuff that we don't know about ourselves and about the world and about why, why things happen that God knows the answer to. And so because of that, God is completely trustworthy 
and God is loving, and God is caring. And so I just wanted to leave that with you. As you come to the psalm, wherever you are at, whether it's in moments of big decisions that you don't know you're wrestling with, moments of grief and loss, moments of questioning God, why are, what's going on here? I pray that you would know that God loves, God cares, and God knows beyond your knowing. Let's pray. God, in our questions, in our grief, in those things that we are not sure about, in what we know, may we trust you. May we trust in your goodness. May we trust that you care and that you know us and you know our situations far more detailed and far deeper than we could ever know for ourselves. May we live lives of complete trust, not based on misgivings, and lead us into the way of everlasting. We ask these things in the name of your strong uh, son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks.